Next on BYUSN, BYU football counting down the days until they kick off the 2023 season against Sam Houston. Where do we feel like they're most ready and maybe least ready for the season right now? Plus, BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill and how his defense has improved throughout training camp. And tight end Isaac Rex on a healthy 2023. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Monday. 12 days away, Jerem. Okay, baby. I'm jumping the gun there a little bit. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who is definitely looking at that first week of college football, Jerem Jordan. Okay, it is week zero. They don't count it as one. It is week zero. It's back. And there's only one game that matters. Navy's playing 13th-ranked Notre Dame in Dublin, uh, the Irish in Ireland. How many, like, native Irishmen, I'm not talking Notre Dame, I'm talking actual Irish, are like, yes, Notre Dame football, we are all in. Like, they have Gaelic football, they have rugby, they have soccer. I don't think they really care about Notre Dame, right? <laughs> but that is the only game that I might be watching. This is the post-Ken Niamatololo era, of course. That's coming up Saturday. Then it's like UTEP, Jacksonville State, UMass, New Mexico, Ohio at San Diego State, who still has you know uh, issues. Hawaii at Vanderbilt, San Jose State, USC, FIU, Louisiana Tech. None of those games interest me, even though we're thirsty for football. You're not in on no. San Jose State at USC on the powerful Pac-12 network? Isn't that game every year? Yeah. Like, they, do they play every year? It feels like they play every year. But like <laughs> you said, we are how many days away to the Bearcats? Make it official. Make it official. Countdown to the Bearcats. 12 days away. 12 days away, baby. Way to read that, by the way. Nice job. Hey, hey. You know, sometimes the equipment doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for Watch Trending. presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. BYU football 12 days away, as we just sang, from opening the season against Sam Houston. So to begin, Jerem, today, let's get a recap of what happened on Saturday's scrimmage mm -hmm. and then discuss maybe where we're feeling the most confident yep. and maybe not so confident as we push through trending. But first, it's Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler recapping how Keaton Slovis performed specifically in Saturday's scrimmage. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where two weeks from tonight the place will be packed. There'll be an actual football game. There was kind of a football game today with the scrimmage, and you've got to watch every play that Keaton Slovis took out here. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I was really impressed, and, and I've been to enough practices that that my confidence in him is growing every single time I go to a How practice. Come? His decision-making's been quicker. The ball's coming out. I never questioned his ability to make the throws. And, and the ones versus ones, they just went for a short time at the beginning of the scrimmage today. But he made some throws. Every throw you can imagine in the book that you have to be able to make to be a, a big-time player, not just in the college level but in the NFL level, he can make. And he's displayed that. Um, but today his decision-making, when he was in there, the offense was crisp. Ball was coming out on time. He was on target. Uh, I. I'm impressed. I'm a believer now in Keaton Slovis. Do you think, now that he's healthy, uh, that he can come back here and be the Keaton Slovis we saw in this stadium when he was a freshman at USC, only wiser, smarter, and, and ready for the NFL? 
Well, and I think in a better offense. Like, this is an NFL-type offense. I think this offense fits his skill set really well. All of that experience he's had, um, the, the two years at USC where he was lights out and everybody's talking about him as a Heisman Trophy candidate and, and then going through all that he went through and then kind of a miserable year and a bad offense at Pitt, all of that has prepared him for this moment where he's hungry and he's the first one in the film room. He's learning this offense. And we've seen two really good quarterbacks in this offense get drafted. And if he can stay healthy and perform the way and continue, the way he's been performing and continue to get better with that huge offensive line in front of him and a really good group of receivers, I think he's going to be the next BYU quarterback drafted, which would be really cool. How about three in a row for BYU in the draft? Free is good. Yeah, it's right? a good what's, our, what's our theme from our friend Vice Hammer? If it's free, it's for me, and I'll take? I'll take three. We'll take we'll three. We'll take three NFL <laughs> draft picks at quarterback. He could be the next one. He's playing really well. All right, that's the word from the stadium where the Cougars will be out here playing for real in a couple of weeks. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. All right, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler from Saturday's scrimmage. If it's free, take if it's three. Free, is that take what, three. Is that what Vice says? It's Elder Sikahem. We're going to have to confirm that. Yeah. But I do like that approach. Uh, at Costco, <laughs> I'm not taking three, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to publicly uh, grab three. I might two, but one. Uh, who knows? Okay, yeah, Keaton Slovis is the key to this entire season, Spence. If Keaton Slovis is good, you always got a shot. Sure. A shot at what? Uh, at least making a bowl game. Maybe eight wins is in the cards. High end, it feels like for BYU. If they go beyond that, that's unbelievable. If he's not good or um, somehow, you know, knock on wood, if you're one of those people, uh, gets injured, I, I think it's hard for BYU to feel like they could have a, a, a good season. So, Keaton Slovis, that that right arm, that everything with him, a lot of this season is contingent on his success, and so. Hopefully Keaton's as as good as we think he'll be this year. Without question, the pressure of the quarterback position is very much that. The season rides largely on how your quarterback plays, how healthy he stays, how much he can endure, uh, the, his ability to overcome adversity. If Keaton Slovis can stay healthy and be on the field for the majority of the time and keep that I, right I shoulder like good, then yes, BYU's success, or I mean, it depends on how you define success for BYU Bowl football. Game plus. Right? right? Six wins, seven wins, eight wins, if you want to start throwing on the blue goggles. Yes, like this is the plot of a quarterback yep. at the Division One level and certainly the professional level. And we say that because there's not a Baylor-Romney sitting there. We're not sure how good Jake Retzloff is. I don't want to know how good Jake Retzloff is this year. Yeah. I don't want to know that. BYU is probably a four- to five-win team if they have to rely on their backup quarterbacks, whoever that Retzloff and company. With Keaton yep. Slovis, if he's healthy, I feel like BYU is a seven-win team. They got a chance to get in the 6-8 range, and who knows? Maybe it's better than we think. Because defensively, BYU needs to be much better, of course. As good as Keaton is, certainly the defense weighs into this as well, although Keaton's the number one thing to me. Here's Kalani Satake Saturday on different sub-packages for the defense. Yeah, we have our subgroups, but it's a, it's a one in, one out, and we, we want our, our best guys on the field. And that's There's only so many reps you can do with scout team, and so you need your ones and twos to basically get those looks and and a lot of the stuff that the twos get are going to have to be from watching film. But the ones need all the looks they can get, and they need all the work in terms of getting in the best shape they can. That comes with making sure that they see all the looks in practice. The previous mindset um, in talking with uh, Elias Tuiaki was we'd rather have some of our twos at 100% than some of our ones at, say, 70% or whatnot. I think this, this group feels like, nope, our starters are going to be in there the majority of the time. Yep. We will not see those line changes mid-drive, which was very 
unorthodox. It doesn't mean it can't work, but it didn't work last year for sure. So we're going to see, um, yeah, more of the starters in. And sure. when you talked to Gennaro Guilford, it was really interesting. He said, I want that corner rotation to be three guys. Maybe four. That's it. Two or three positions, depending on if they're going four or five wide, depending on who you're playing. When you play Oklahoma, you're going to sit nickel probably a lot of the time there. It depends what happens. And the Kelly Papinka interview that you did was really interesting, too, where he talked about, listen, uh, there's going to be times where we drop eight, yep. drop seven, drop six, but it'll be situational, obviously. But the base package for BYU is not drop eight. It's going to be more aggressive, more havoc, which we will talk about later in the show. Yeah, big changes all around. You know, just in, in terms of just an, a general ideology of not feeling like you have to play upwards of 25 to 30 players on the defensive side of the ball. Like, we, we saw as, as many as 30 different guys in certain games last year, which, I mean, the idea was sound in that you want to keep legs fresh. Like, I understand why Elisa Tuiaki yeah. and Ed Lamb wanted to do that. Like, you want fresh legs on the field all the time. But it worked for a little bit. And then it didn't. What, what's the talent level of that backup? Like, is there 100% better than the 70% of that starter? If not, that starter needs to stay in there. So we'll, we'll see how they approach it this year. On to the offensive side of the ball. One of the growing conversations at camp this year is the development of the tight end room. Not just with Isaac Rex getting healthy, but some newcomers behind yep. him, Jerem. Brand new guy. Like the, the, this room feels very confident that they're going to have multiple big-time impact players, contributors, and it's not going to be just about Isaac Rex. But here is Isaac on the depth of the tight end room specifically. Well, we'll start off with Tava, experienced guy, played at SUU, has a lot of games under his belt. Uh, he's a great blocker. He can catch the ball too. And, uh, yeah, he's, he knows the offense from SUU because there's similar offense coordinators there. And so he, he came in and just played right away. There was no learning curve for him. Ray is just a, he's a meathead. Like, he, he goes and hits people. And that's his job on the team is just just to go and, uh, you know, crack some heads. And he does a great job of it. We have to get him up to speed with the playbook a little. But he is uh, he can really hit. He's super athletic. Tony and Ethan, they're obviously great route running tight ends. And Tony's been uh, really, you know, stepping up, I feel like. And same with Ethan. And, you know, the off, uh, even Bentley uh, Redden. Bentley Redden, he's a, a new face. Long, lengthy guy. He'll be really good in the future. And then... Mason and uh, yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of guys that are stepping up and doing great. Okay, Isaac is referring to the depth of the tight end room yeah. and and by first name. So I mean to be fully clear, let's did everyone follow along there? Let's put on <laughs> and put out the the full names yes. of some of the guys that he's he's we'll mentioning. Walk, we'll walk Started with Mata Avataise, like like Mata. He he said new new guy from SU is a dude that was just plug and play. Aaron Roderick uh, spoke highly of him as well. Uh, mentioned Ray Paulo as, as the next guy. Isaac sort of uh, clues us in that he's probably the best blocker among the tight ends, which is exciting. Mason Fakahua has changed positions to tight end, beefed up a little bit, 6'2", 240. Um, there's some young, young studs in here. Anthony Olsen, who called him Tony. Yeah. Ethan Erickson, we saw catching an incredible touchdown against ECU. Yeah, he's, like, he's made meaningful plays already. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, obviously Isaac is the headline there. And uh, we'll hear from Isaac later uh, in the program as well. Okay, um, last but not least, AJ Vang Pacha. Vang Pacha, that's how you say it. It looks intimidating. We got it. Um, he talked about the standouts at linebacker. There's been a ton of guys, honestly. I mean, obviously, obviously Ben. Ben's a stud. And uh, even, even Max Tooley, the older guys. But uh, kind of the younger guys, 
uh, Glasker. Glasker's, Glasker's has been a dude, uh, kind of a seen his progression from week to week and day by day. Uh, him and then you know some of the younger guys, just, especially the guys who just came in, just learning and uh, just getting better. So AJ, to his credit, has been not a not a surprise per se, but just a very very welcome addition. They had high hopes for him, and he has stepped in and filled and hit those expectations at least through fall camp thus far. You talk to. A number of the staff, uh, and certainly, and I've spoken with a few people that watched every snap of the scrimmage on Saturday, and the consensus is he is the glue guy for that linebacker room that really completes them. You know, Ben Bywater yeah. and Max Tooley. He walks in and, and then Ben AJ, Bywater says, you completely me? Essentially, yes. Let's go. Essentially, yes. A Jerry Maguire moment, <laughs> if you will. Max and Ben. But AJ is, is a dude that kind of just brings that whole group together, that solidifies the linebackers. And I like that because I, I know that that's a lot to ask. Um, and in this defense run by Jay Hill, like the linebackers are going to be asked to do a little bit more um, and be a little bit more aggressive. And they're going to be kind of moving all over the field. And so you need super athletic, versatile guys. Like what is Ben Bywater? Athletic, versatile. What mm -hmm. is Max Tooley? Athletic, versatile. AJ is also that way. And uh, I heard one, one guy say he's the glue for the linebackers room. We, we needed that. That's great because they needed some experience. We were a little concerned at how young they were. Isaiah Glasker had not played a ton. Ace and Mike Kafusi had not played a ton. Um, Harrison Taggart comes over from Oregon. He's still a young pup. Like, he's, a, he's like a year and a half away from, uh, you know, prom. Like, he went to Oregon for a couple games. He's at BYU. He is one of those future guys. But for now, the, the senior experience of Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, and A.J. Vankpacha – Yes. Those are your three starters at linebacker with some nice young pups coming up behind who have waited their turn. In the case of the Kafusis, kind of their first or maybe second year where they're still learning as well. And then you have some other talent there. Like Cialia Serra sitting there with this big-time four-star linebacker out of Timphy BYU got. He may not see as much time on the field initially. That's what you want. Mm. You want them to learn the system beef up, get stronger and faster, then they have an opportunity. And maybe it's this year, should there be an aptitude or injury, you don't want that. But you want the experienced guys who make plays to be out there first, and then you go from there, especially in this defense. Now, I, I got the following text message, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he is... Tell me, though. He is somebody that I trust. Like, I trust his football opinion I just see very, 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 just very, show, very just much. show me where. Okay, so here's... Oh, here's okay, right? okay, I see it, I see it. So this is a man who watched every snap yep, and was yep, dialed yep. in. Yep, and yep, um, yep. I just asked him for his thoughts after Saturday. I said, okay, tell me what you think mm -hmm. about the defense specifically. And speaking of AJ, he said, he was a standout to me on defense. He is the real deal and makes that starting backer crew, if it's AJ, Ben Bywater, and Thule, as good as any in the Big 12. That's quite the statement. It is quite the statement. I don't know how to gauge the Big 12 linebackers quite yet. I need to get knee-deep in this league um, and see it, you know, when BYU plays them a little more. But uh, that's exciting. And certainly BYU has – are they just emailing you? Well, no. I, <laughs> I think I accidentally turned on the volume. <laughs> <laughs> Who's emailing during the show? Come on. I was trying no. to pull it up. I think I that's what you button. want. That's what you want. You brought in A.J. Vankpacha to be a playmaker. Yes, uh, Jay Hill at practice has said multiple times, I need playmakers who's going to make a play, and these three will be part of the, that playmaking crew. Man, based on that statement, the linebackers on defense, maybe in this said analyst opinion, are the best position group on that side of the ball. I would say right now in terms of experience and previous production, yes, D-line has some proving to do. 
No Michael Harper puts you in a pinch. That's tough with the safeties. At the back end yes. a little bit. But there's good experience and talent at all those positions with the starters. With the backups, mm. always a question. Always a question. Our question of the day. Where do you feel like BYU football is most and least ready for the season right now? 12 days away mm. from game number one against Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. Robert mm-hmm. Pfeiffer on Facebook answers, I feel like BYU is ready on the offensive side, but just need execution at full speed and physicality. Defensive line coming together to play as one unit with all the new people is the biggest spot to keep getting ready. I've always had questions about the defensive line at BYU this whole time. Um, you know, they, they have not, they have yet to be as good as I think I've wanted, we've wanted since, um, you know, Kalani Sitake came. Hoping to replicate the incredible D-lines that they had, um, you know, up in, up in Salt Lake when he was the D.C. there. You need those dudes, and hopefully BYU continues to add those kind of guys. Like, we're talking NFL D-tackles, essentially. Like, does BYU have an NFL D-tackle mm. on the roster right now? I, I, I don't think so at the moment. But perhaps they could develop into such, and maybe they surprise us. But uh, D-tackle and then the D-ends obviously got to get home. The defensive line has kind of taken this personally. They know. Yeah. They, they know. They should. That I want them to be ticked off. That the, the biggest question mark largely gets yeah. pushed towards them. Sure. Like, oh, are they going to be able to get to the quarterback this year? They sure. were miserable last year and creating havoc and chaos plays and getting quarterback sacks and hurries. Like, they know. And they've. They they feel it. Take it They've personal. They've taken it personally. If, for if, sure. If someone was like, "Yeah, we don't have good enough hosts on BYU Sports Night." It's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's be better. Let's Send improve. In. Let's get to that point. Let's go. More of your responses using the hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Where do you feel like BYU is most and least ready for the season right now? Uh, join us tomorrow as well. We got a special show, BYU Sports Station season preview Hello. show. Kalani Sataki in the house. Blaine Fowler breaks down the offense. David Nixon breaks down the defense. Watch this show, and you will be the smartest one at work or in your uh, fantasy football pools about what's going on with BYU football. Join us tomorrow for BYU Sports Day. Ooh, are there fantasy football leagues surrounding college football and BYU? No, I just mean in the Big those 12? homies that are talking about BYU. No, that would be fun. You're going to be like, no, no, I know who Nathan Coleman is. Make a Big 12 fantasy football league. I would love that. BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill is up next one-on-one with Dave McCann on how he wants BYU's defense to attack, attack, attack. What does that mean? What does it mean, Jay? We find out next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Feastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. We work all year for 12 weeks, and you know when it finally comes, it's like Christmas Day. Bottom line, great defense comes down to being tough, disciplined, and impactful. There's great power in that. You know, when you think about it, we work all year for 12 Saturdays. It is. Listen, every Saturday special, man, for BYU, and then one Friday. All we don't year have a lot of these. For 12 Saturdays. We talk a lot <laughs> for 12 days, 13 days worth. <laughs> we are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Jay Hill is now the man on topic on this Monday edition of BYUSN. He spoke with Dave McCann following Saturday's scrimmage about how he wants his defense to attack, 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 and what he's most excited about with the season opener. This is Jay Hill with Dave McCann. 
Jay, we're under two weeks from the season. This place will be full. You'll be making your BYU debut. How excited are you about that? Well, I can't wait. And I can't wait for the noise, the excitement, the home uh, field advantage that we get from Cougar Stadium. I can't wait. What is it like when you're over there with the opposing team dealing with the crowd? Well, you know, having played here and coached here against BYU, this is the loudest stadium I've been in. Uh, when the crowd gets rolling, um, they can create a lot of issues, penalties, um, just a confusion. So I, I can't wait to have it on our side. The defense you're going to roll out, do you know your starters right now? Is it is it that firm with who you got? Well, in certain positions, yes, and there's still battles going on. Depth chart is still a critical part of fall camp and what we're doing. It's not set in stone yet, but a lot of things are being solidified right now. The guys up front, the defensive line, that was a concern coming in. Uh, you went to the portal. You reworked these guys. How do you feel about the group up front? Well, really good. I think Coach Puha and Coach Papinga have done a phenomenal job getting their guys ready. Um, some of the names, obviously, Batty has had a really good camp. Nice Mahe's had a great camp. Jackson Cravens and uh, Caden Hawes have really stood out inside. Uh, Isaiah Bagna. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys right now standing out, playing at a high level. Uh, but uh, I can't say enough about the coaches and the players just buying into what we're doing and, and the progression they've made so far. Your first interview on Sports Nation, you talked about your styles, attack, 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 blitz, and attack. Uh, do you think at the linebacker spot you got the guys to execute that? For sure. You know, uh, the addition of A.J. Vong Pachong to, you know, Max Tooley and Ben Bywater has really uh, helped us, helped solidify things. But, and then there's been an emergence of some young guys that have really stood out. Uh, Isaiah Glasker's done a great job. Cialia Sarah's done a great job. Ace Kafusi. Um, anyway, bottom line, that's another group that's really, um, really solidified themselves and added some depth. Harrison Taggart did some really great things today. So I'm excited about that group and letting those guys tee off and go. You step back a few more feet. You're into the secondary. You lose Micah Harper for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, that. You lose some leadership. You lose mm -hmm. some tenacity, some experience. Um, but you got a lot of guys back there. How do you feel about that group? Well, you know, devastated for Micah because I love the kid so much, and um, he's been a playmaker. And I know the fans were excited to watch him play. And he'll come back. He's a resilient, tough kid. Uh, the rest of the group, it's their turn to step up and uh, make prove to the players, prove to the fans, prove to themselves that they can be that playmaker that we all want back there. And there's a lot of guys playing well right now. How much time have you spent watching Sam Houston footage? A lot. You know, we watch Sam Houston for the personnel. We've watched a lot of Virginia Tech stuff because the offensive coordinator came from Virginia Tech. Uh, the head coach is still there and has been an offensive guy. So it's really we're trying to mesh the two schemes and what we think they're going to do. But week ones, you never quite know exactly what's going to come out. And uh, so we got to be good with our base stuff and sound in everything we do. With all that's going on, when, when it's just you and Kalani Sataki in the room, yeah. you guys look at each other. What do you talk about? Well, he's a defensive guru, right? I mean, Kalani knows defense. He knows what uh, he wants. I think he brought me in because we have very similar ideas on what it looks like. And so it's more just bouncing ideas off of each other on how do we get our players in the right positions to make the most amount of plays. And it's fun. It's fun to be talking similar schemes and similar ideas with someone that you, you, know, you respect and trust because he's been there and done that. And do you get a lot of, yes, you're right, Jay. You're <laughs> right, Jay. Let's do that. You know what? Kalani's a, an unbelievable <laughs> head coach. He's very supportive to what we want to do. 
Uh, but he also steps up and says his opinions when he really wants something done, and then it's our job to get that done. And so uh, he's been amazing to work for uh, so far, and I can't wait to do it in games and do it with this this group of players that we have. This is going to be a great, great experience. Let's finish with the vibe that this team seems to have. We sense it in just a little bit of time that we're around it. But you're around it all the time. How would you describe it? Well, the players, I think, are super close. They do a good job of uh, blending you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different races, a lot of different religions, and they've done a good job of coming together and blending it well. I think they love each other, and I think that's a critical part of success. They're a fun group to coach. Uh, it's a group where if you ask them to do something, they try their darndest to do it. And uh, so I'm super excited to see them on game day. I can't wait for the ups and downs. That's part of the college football that I look for. It's not all going to be roses. And how they react to the adversity that we will face is going to be a fun, a fun part of you know, seeing what this team's all about. And then there's going to be a lot of ups where we're playing at a high level and dominating out here, and I can't wait to see the fans getting behind that. Saturday, Notre Dame and Navy kicked the whole thing off. They're the first game out there from Ireland. As you see that on the TV, can you believe it's here? No, it's come fast, right? I mean, we work all year for 12 weeks, and then hopefully you get a bowl game. And it, it's, it's just one of those things you grind and you work and you put in so many hours in recruiting and in the office watching film that, you know, when it finally comes, it's like Christmas Day. So <laughs> Merry Christmas. All right. Thank you. Can't Thanks, wait. Jay. And happy football holidays. Oh, can't wait, man. Less than two weeks, 12 days from game number one and the first chance to see BYU's defense and what they could potentially do to change the rhetoric that is remaining from last year, which is we – can't get to the quarterback, essentially. Okay, riddle me this. You get to change one stat, like drastically we quantif quantifiable. One stat is grossly different. What do you pick for this year's defense? Well, I'm, I'm glad you used the word grossly because it was <laughs> this was a gross stat last year for BYU. It was their ability to stop offenses on third and fourth down, to just get off the field. Mm. Like, no more nine-minute drives, 11-minute yeah. drives. Yes. There was like a 13-minute drive last year Gross. against this BYU defense that spanned over two quarters. Yes. What? What, what are we doing? 16 plays, 11 minutes. Like, yes. that happened far too often. Yes. BYU's ability to get off the field, their third and fourth down stop rates need to drastically, drastically yeah. improve. It just it, – it, it became – uh, almost comical at times, even in third and long, Jerem, when We're, it was, you know, third and 11 and they'd get like 11 and a half yards or like some, third and eight and they'd somehow get nine. Where do you think BYU ranked among the 131 last year in third down conversion defense? I'm guessing 90-ish. 121? Oh, it, it was that bad? It was bad. 45.8%. That's bad. Okay, the one I pick is Havoc Rate. That is the percentage of snaps resulting in a TFL – a PBU, a forced fumble, or a quarterback hurry, okay? Um, last year, I, I don't have that number for BYU, but it wasn't good enough. Um, also, in the last, BYU opted for a more passive, don't read weak, passive defense the last mm. several years. Mm -hmm. um, Elias Tuiaki was, had the 13th lowest havoc rate, minimum three seasons since 2017. That wasn't happening as much. But BYU still had good defenses. Let's not ignore the good defenses, like Kelly Pinga mentioned to you, of the past. We it were, worked for we a while. We were fine with those. It worked for a long in time. In 2019, when you played Jordan Love, 
and Keaton Slovis, and you drop eight a lot of the game, you produced three-plus picks in each of those games. It works situationally. We just don't like it as a base defense. Sure, and frankly, Jarrett Garantano at Tennessee. Like, BYU's yes. defense held Tennessee rather low on their home field. Kavika Fonua has a huge interception. Yes. BYU punches in. Because of drop eight. Right after that, early in the second half. So sometimes it works. Let's not crap on drop eight like it's the worst thing ever. We just don't like it as a base defense. But we like it situationally if you can turn the ball over. And BYU at times did. We would just, we're okay with more risk at this point. We are. Absolutely. So Havoc Rate is my number. More takeaways, TFLs, PBUs. That'll help your third down stoppage rate. It's all connected (laughs) in the Like I knew it was sub 50%. I didn't realize sub 50% was 121st, Jerem. That's 11th worst. Oh. Oh. Hey, after further review, uh, tomorrow, the second edition of Meet the Players, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon. Get to know players like Ben Bywater, Max Julie, and more. Brand new episode tomorrow on the BYU TV app at 7 Eastern. Still on the way. This is fantastic. Players and coaches from Big 12 teams were asked about where BYU is located. <laughs> and uh, not many knew the answer. Stay with us for that. Really funny stuff on the way on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Follow BYU Sports Nation for similarly uh, tasted good uh, social media food Mm -hmm. uh, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Training camp wraps up tomorrow with specific prep to Sam Houston. After that, the team held a scrimmage Saturday. Kalani Sataki was pleased. The Athletic also ranked all 133 FBS programs. BYU ranked number 65, 10th out of the Big 12, 14 teams. And BYU running back Morgan Piper announced on social media this weekend that he is stepping away from football. Morgan was one of those guys who's played linebacker and running back, provided nice depth for BYU over the last couple of years. It was a very, very busy weekend for Cougars in the NFL preseason, starting with Zach Wilson, who continued to play efficient football. Nine of 13 passing, 70 yards, had two rushes for 41 yards, including maybe the NFL preseason highlight of the weekend as he spun out of a would-be sack and ran 35 yards down the sideline, juking defenders for the Jets. Jaron Hall, oh yeah, the other former BYU quarterback, four of seven passing 49 yards, and he had two rushes for 14 yards for the Minnesota Vikings. Chris Brooks, remember him? Hey. Former BYU running back, 11 carries, 47 yards, one catch for an 18-yard touchdown for the Miami Dolphins. And all-pro linebacker Fred Warner had three tackles for the 49ers. Frankly, I'm surprised Fred had to play at all. Yeah, wait a minute. Tomasi Lalale, two tackles in a PBU for the aforementioned 49ers. Matt Bushman, two grabs for 30 yards with the Chiefs. Okay, Matt. Caleb Hayes had two tackles in a PBU for the Jaguars. D'Angelo Mandel had a tackle in a PBU for the Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? Mm. Chris Wilcox had four tackles for the Steelers. And Dax Milne and the Commanders played tonight, 6 Eastern on ESPN against the Ravens. How about the influx of BYU players at the secondary position specifically. Let's hope they stick. Yes. Um, the Chris Wilcox did to ho- a degree. The hope that they're in camp is the, the idea that they're even in camp. BYU hasn't even had the, this many players in camp from the secondary. No, it just hasn't happened. In a minute. Yeah. So that's great news. Three guys all making plays in the preseason. Really, really nice to hear. 
13th ranked BYU women's soccer remains unbeaten on the season at 2-0 hey. after a dominant 4-1 victory over Cal State Fullerton on Saturday behind goals from Brecken Mazingo, Aaron Bailey, Bella Foligno, who continues to use, utilize the BYU Sports Nation karma, yeah. and Ellie Walbrook opened her scoring count with BYU with this. To the byline, deep cross, and a one-touch finish, and that's going to be the first BYU career goal for Ellie Walbrook. Ellie Walbrook getting it done. BYU's next game this Thursday against Long Beach State as they like to go 3-0. I'm looking forward to that Walbrook uh, versus UCLA game coming up oh, uh, baby. a little bit later. UCLA August transfer. 31st. Ten days from now, that's it. BYU men's basketball enjoying a foreign trip to Italy and Croatia. First in Italy, Kugzov uh, kicked off the trip with a 100-64 win against Orange 1 basket Bassano. 16 made threes, team high 20 points from your boy, the shot doc, Trevin Nell. Okay. And BYU women's basketball, also in Italy. Are they going to see each other? And, <laughs> and beat uh, Breda Blick, Iceland, 104-53, and the Latvia All-Stars, 99-45. There you go. 17th ranked BYU women's volleyball doing their thing in the blue-white scrimmage. It was held Saturday as they prepare to open their season on Friday against fifth-ranked Pitt at the Ellison Invitational in Missoula, Montana. Notably, Claire Little had 19 kills. Freshman. Aaron Livingston had 14 kills. There's room there for the emergence of a star freshman. Yes, there is. We could utilize another Go. big hitter. Eden Bauer is going to compete there, too, though. Kenneth Rooks won his heat in the steeplechase at the World Track and Field Championships to advance to the final Tuesday. This is the World Championships. <laughs> and this guy's still a BYU student. Unbelievable. This is so it, awesome. It is almost ridiculous. Incredibly distracting to watch that clip of him, by the way, as someone just tumbling over the steeplechase. He's like looking back like, what happened? Oh, over the hurdles, like, not me. I'm too busy winning. Like, look at Kenneth Rooks, not that guy. Former BYU women's soccer star Michaela Clough scored a goal for the Orlando Pride, and it was a beauty. Her second of the season. I love that her husband, Jackson Clough, minor league baseball player, quote tweeted it and said, hey, nice job, just like we worked on. <laughs> Speaking of, Jackson had a three-hit weekend, two RBI for the AA Harrisburg Senators, and then Daniel Schneeman, don't call him Schneebly, had a three-hit weekend, including a homer and a double for the AAA Columbus Club. Former Cougar Taylor Sander. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah. Taylor, With Taylor. partner Taylor Crabb won the Manhattan Beach Open on the AVP Tour. Nicely done. That's a big deal. Yes, it is. Three BYU rugby players were selected in the Major League Rugby Draft. Gabriel Mahuinga went 11th to Nola Gold. Michael Biaggi to the Utah Warriors 20th overall. And Connor Overa headed to the Dallas Jackals at number 29. BYU's three selections tied for second most in the country. Three top 30 picks? Let's go. Who cares how many picks overall there are? There's three in the top 30, right? 30. Nine, yeah. Still, that's fantastic. Three draft that's picks. Great. No, they've never had a pick before. Now they have three. Now they have three. The, the coach, Steve St. Pierre, my old roommate, doing work. BYU is a golf school, too. And so we need to note that former Cougar standout Zach Blair won the Utah Open and a nice little $22,000 check in a four-hole playoff at Riverside Country Club. Finalizing that on Sunday, congrats to Zach. Those are today's headlines. Let's opinionate in the whip. Presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Big 12 posted a video asking players from other schools and coaches what town BYU is in. Listen to this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, is it Utah? Provo? I don't know how to say it. Provo? I would have to say Provo, Utah. Uh, it's Provo, Utah. Provo? 
Provo. Provo, Utah. Is it like Brigham, Brigham Young or something? That's not the city. Oh. Ah, uh, BYU. No idea. <laughs> Does it start with I? Provo. Uh oh. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I have no idea. Isn't it? Is it New York? Oh man, <laughs> this is this, this is funny. Provo. Provo, Utah. Let me just start naming this. Salt Lake City. There's. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Uh, Provo, Utah. Provo. They're in Provo, Utah. Come on, my geography is crazy. Provo. Okay, I never forget it. Provo. I see. As soon as you said it. Provo. Okay, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> is that our first bleeped out moment in BYU Sports in Nation history, by the way? Perhaps. Uh, yeah, hilarious. Provo Provost was my favorite. We can name all the cities of all the Big 12 schools. Yes. Right? Yes. We're good. Do we need to do that right now? No. I don't think time for that. <laughs> what was your favorite response, by the way? Uh, does it start with an I? <laughs> Mine was, is that in New York? <laughs> New York? What? <laughs> No. Well, originally we were in New York, and then we went At to Pennsylvania, point, yeah. and then up, Ohio, upstate New York, upstate New York for sure. Yeah, he's just going way back in the history. Upstate means anywhere but New York City. Does it start with it's an a, I? No, it does not. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Really funny. Brett McMurphy has BYU playing South Carolina, Jerem, okay. in the Gasparilla Bowl, which is in beautiful Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. These are from his latest bowl projections. So is this? the best bowl projection you have seen from any that BYU has had while they've been in this Big 12 group. I'm not convinced I want a P5 in the bowl game quite yet. Let's just see let's just see what being a P5 looks like for BYU. So I'm not I'm not convinced I necessarily want that. I I, I want to I prefer a win over a matchup um, in a bowl game. So uh, no, not the best bowl projection. <sighs> well, what the thing is I was trying to think of what's better I, don't, I can't the think the bowl of, itself, like, or just like of all the projections like that we have seen. I I can't recall that because most have been BYU is going to Shreveport. Hardly anyone's predicting non Shreveport or BYU. Yeah, no one's saying. Or they're yep. gonna take on like Texas uh, potentially Arizona. In, I think it was Arizona in the Independence. We're bowl. gonna see them and on the like, year. Probably. I don't want to play Arizona, no and thanks. I don't want BYU to play in the Independence Bowl. No like. No. Anything but Shreveport? Are, are we just anything but Independence Bowl? Is that like, would we be content? We would say you be that, content? If we say that, that, it's going to happen. Like, if we well, say what that. What can we say then? It's going to be Shreveport. <laughs> what are we going to say then? <laughs> Nothing. We have to talk for five hours like a week. Tampa. Tampa, the destination to me is just like, yes. It's the destination. I love Tampa. Yeah. Also, I have good feelings about BOA playing in a Florida Bowl game, probably because of what happened in Boca Raton. But BYU versus P5 in Florida is over. Just remember that. Don't let it's facts State, get in the way, Jerem. Don't let facts get in the way of a great destination. My bad. Zach Wilson had a 35-yard run against Buccaneers, uh -huh. speaking of Tampa, uh -huh. on Saturday. Do you like that he lowered his shoulder at the end of the play? No. I don't either. I don't. I, I know what he's doing, but like he got hurt Slide. on a, he got hurt on a similar play. Slide young man. Before. This was an incredible it's, run. He's got great running skills. Yes. We, we knew this, but it's just fun to see at the next level, right? I just, the game. Slide! But like, ah, don't don't get hurt. And maybe maybe the defender was kind of hiding and sprung up on him a little bit. No, so, he saw. He saw. <sighs> no, he was looking to truck a fool. Like I know it's he 30. wants to let I respect Zach. I like Zach a lot. This is a hard knocks moment here. It's 30, it's 35 <laughs> yards. If he slides, it's 32. And I'm totally okay with 32. You got 32. the first down. Yes. It's all good. Yeah. Like, protect yourself a He's little bit. He's so athletic. Maybe underrated athletic as a runner. 
Well, let's keep this rolling. BYU men's basketball has the third most wins in hoops among new Big 12 teams over the last 20 years behind only Kansas and Arizona. What, How about that? What do you make of this? Uh, I was a little surprised. I know the BYU's won a lot. Obviously, we, we keep tabs on the program and whatnot. But third most? Like the most of everybody but those two juggernauts in the new Big 12 starting next year? That's amazing. It's a great number. I know that Kansas and Arizona and every other Big 12 school is saying, yeah, but against who? Who is it against? We've been playing in the Power Five League for years, right? For decades. Not, so not Utah. It's but it's still difficult to win games. Like it's not like no. the Mountain West was a bad basketball conference when BYU was no in their heyday. It was no. San Diego State, UNLV, and Utah. Like yeah, there were some. It's been a good basketball conference. Top five, right? six seeds. And the WCC, frankly, with Gonzaga and St. Mary's, hasn't exactly been a pushover. BYU didn't win it no. in 12 years. BYU took fifth last year. Like, yes. There's some work to be done. So that, there's value in that. Um, I don't know that I, you know, I'm going to say like, oh, they're the third best team in the Big 12 then. Uh, no. <laughs> We're just <looking> at <laughs> it's a lot of winning. That's what BYU basketball has done. A lot and, of winning. And we should honor that. We absolutely do. BYU men's basketball posted pictures of the team working out in Italy this morning. Is this the best workout spot in BYU history? They're like out in a... A square next to a, a cathedral under construction, running the stairs. Think about the history involved in that picture, just with that city. That is so cool that they have the opportunity to do this. Is that cathedral older than the United States of America? Look at that backdrop, right. the arch. It's like, amazing. it's just, like, I love Europe because of the history. Yeah. You know, I mean, these go back, a lot of these cities go back to four, what, four to 5,000 years. It's amazing, Jared. It's amazing. So yeah, really, really cool. Up now, next, four to five thousand is a lot, by the way. It's a lot. It's a lot. The United States, we're like, yeah, we've been around a couple hundred years, right? The United States is still a very young a lot country of people compared lived here for to a long Italy. Time. I'm just talking about the buildings. The, the Romans yes. have been around for a lot longer. Yeah they, yeah, they were. They were around. Is anyone more ready to have a bounce back year than BYU tight end Isaac Rex? No. He's got, he's got a case for no. sure. He might be the guy. Yeah. How has the BYU tight end touchdown record motivated him to have said potential big season? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. I'm going to do my best, I'm going to play my best, and uh, I'll be out there for my team no matter what. Oh, I'm looking forward to a lot of that. Isaac Rex in the end zone for BYU. In fact, Jeremy, I said earlier last week, I think that he's going to lead BYU in touchdown catches this year. That'd would, be great. I would love to see them target Isaac Rex. Welcome back to the show. Alongside Jeremy, I'm Spencer, and Isaac Rex is the man of the moment. He spoke on Saturday with Dave McCann following the scrimmage about his potential breakout season and record chasing. Isaac, let's start with a question that everyone asks me when they find out I'm going to talk to you. How's your ankle? <laughs> Feels good, man. It's been feeling good this whole camp, uh, a lot better than it was last year. I, I can't thank the physical therapists and doctors enough for helping me out with the surgeries and uh, with the PT. It's been a long road coming, but it's feeling really good, so I'm excited for this year. That moment at the USC game, Thanksgiving weekend, a couple of seasons ago, did you think for a second that football might be over? Yeah, I mean, that's what doctors were telling me, and I had a great surgeon in Dr. Patterson who uh, who's from USC or works at USC Keck, and 
he told me, you know, it's going to be hard for you to walk normally again, and I don't know if you'll ever play football again. And you know doctors, they give you the worst-case scenario to cover themselves, but <laughs> that was my goal. I want to be out there for my team and, and play BYU football again. So, uh, I uh, yeah, it was a long road coming. You played in every game last year, but you played 50%, 60%. I don't know. You you have that answer. But, but how different does right now feel from last season? Oh, night and day. Like last year, I was struggling practice to practice, and I was taking a lot of practices off also, and I had like a sleeve on it to keep the swelling down, and it was a, it was a whole situation, but right now I'm feeling good, and um, probably the best I've felt since that, that freshman year, so I'm, I'm excited. Blaine and I were interviewing your dad on our show uh, during the summer, yeah, yeah. and uh, your name came up, and Keaton Slovis's name came up, and he goes, well, they're in the living room watching yeah. TV, right, five feet away from me. Uh, yeah. You guys spent a lot of time together in the offseason. How has it translated here in Canada? I feel like it's been really awesome. Uh, we've been connecting really well, especially in practices, and he's, Keaton's a great quarterback, so it's, it's easy for Keaton to, you know, make me look good because uh, he puts it on the money, and so... Um, Keaton's been awesome and he's really fit into the program really, really well, has a great personality and so we're good friends and I'm excited to continue that friendship, you know, throughout the season and throughout our lives. When you look at tight end production, you go back to your freshman year, freshman All-American with 12 touchdowns and then Zach went to the NFL, Jaron Hall with a different style is in a quarterback. You get hurt after that first year, so now you're different. Back healthy with Slovis and a new season. Do you feel those freshman numbers are attainable again? You know, I don't really like to put like specific numbers on things, but because there's a lot of things that are out of my control, you know, if the defense isn't right, you know, if the, uh, I don't know, if the play's not called right, it's like there's a lot of things that are out of my control in terms of stats, but, you know, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to play my best and uh, I'll be out there for my team no matter what. This will be your first year as a BYU tight end as a dad. How has that changed your world? It's been awesome. Uh, life means a lot more when you got a little kid, you know, and uh, Luca, he's the coolest little kid. And my wife, Lexi, has been amazing. Uh, she's been, you know, taking care of him since I've been at fall camp. And she's been uh, at the house, you know, kind of with him. And he's, he's a handful. He's not like a little quiet kid. He's rambunctious and he's screaming and yelling, but in a funny way. So. I look forward just going home to him every day and hanging out uh, when I'm done with football. It's, it's been amazing. You need two touchdowns to pass Gordon Hudson, the All-American who has the most touchdowns in school history, which also means you're tied with Dennis Pitta yeah. with 21. You can get that in the first game, but, but you see your, your, the, the Rex name and the record book is coming. I know. I, that, I mean, that was a big thing for me coming back was like, I want to break that record, and I think that would be a really cool thing to you know cement my legacy with some amazing tight ends and I was uh, with Dennis a lot this offseason working out because he he's in Southern California and I thought it would be funny if you like you know you know how LeBron or Kareem passed the ball to LeBron after he had the finals like you should come at halftime when I score or whatever and pass me the ball of the, the touchdown. Dennis did he commit to that? <laughs> he did not <laughs> and it was during golf and we were just hanging out and Dennis was laughing but uh, uh, yeah it's it's definitely a record I want to break, and I think it would be really cool, you know, for me and my family. You're a veteran of the game here. Later this week on Saturday, Notre Dame and Navy play the first game of the season, and then it's then it's all on. Does it feel like it's taken forever to get to this point, or has it been a hurry? I feel like it's gone here fast. I mean, every every year goes by a little faster. I I feel like I'm still a freshman, you know, again, and 
feel like I just got here, but it's been uh, four years since I got home off my mission to and been playing. It's it's been uh, a dream. So uh, this I feel like this year is going to fly. So I just got to make the most out of it. What works better for you in the offense when Aiden Robbins is getting four yards to carry? or when Epps and Roberts and those guys are, are bigger threats downfield. Where, where does the tight end and your skill set fit when one of those two are working? Well, you got to do it all. I mean, you could see a lot of games last year. We, On some games, we focused heavily on the run. The next game, we focused heavily on the pass. Like, it's it's uh, it's a game-on-game game situation. Whatever's working is working. And as a tight end, you got to be ready for whatever comes. So a lot of people focus, you know, solely on the catching part of uh, as a tight end. but Blocking is equally as important, and that's what will get you on the field and get you on, you know, NFL teams is being able to block and, uh, you know, basically doing it all. Whatever they tell you to do, you got to do it. So, your dad Byron was Ty Detmer's tight end here in the stadium. Yeah. How much advice does he give you heading into your what could be your last year? He's giving me a good amount of advice. I mean, he's uh, he likes to watch my games and you know critique me, and I'm like. You're not really my coach, but I appreciate you know all the, you know all the help. And so my dad actually he's he's helped me a lot, and he's been uh, amazing. You know he's uh, really like kept me on this track of of playing, and he's done so much for me in terms of you know my ankle and other things. I can't thank my dad enough. One week from Saturday, we'll see you back out here. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate thanks, it. Isaac. All right. Our thanks to Dave McCann and Isaac Rex. Up next, our elite voice of the day and. Who's earned today's rise and shout out? This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, we going early. Hmm. Is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Where do you feel like BYU football is most and least ready for the season right now is our question of the day. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Josh Pratt on Facebook who says, it'd be hard to argue against quarterback one not being the most ready with all the starts Keaton Slovis has had. 39? Conversely, quarterback two may be the least ready with the lack of live and meaningful snaps taken. Well, they're doing their best in fall camp to get those. Like, the, the twos have been split in that way. But, yeah, as soon as you become the starter, you get those points. Interesting take. Our rise and shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Kenneth Rooks, World Championships. Got through his heat. Going to the final tomorrow He's night, in baby, in Budapest. To compete for the World Championship. Amazing. It is amazing. Our thanks to today's guests. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. Why don't you pass Isaac the ball when he sets the record? <laughs> For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Byron Rex. Hey. We'll see you tomorrow in Studio B. Go Cougs!